0: Good morning and welcome to the Hub City Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us in worship this morning. As the Hub City Church, we exist to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey the Word of God. If you'd like to hear more about our vision, or if you're interested in joining our serve teams, community groups, or men's and women's ministries, you can visit our website, thehubcitychurch.org, or just text the word City to 97000 and we'll follow up with you in the next few days. Our Thanksgiving outreach went so well we're going to do it again for Christmas. On December 23rd from 3 to 5 p.m., we'll be going downtown to serve hot meals and share the gospel with anyone in need. We would love for you to join us as it takes 20 to 30 volunteers to ensure these missional outings run well. From food preparation to the serving line, childcare, or just engaging those we encounter with prayer and gospel conversations, there's something for everyone. You can find a sign-up for this event in our church app. On Christmas Eve at 10 a.m., we'll be having a great time singing all of our favorite Christmas songs together as a church family and rejoicing with great joy over the coming of our Savior. Directly after service, we'll have a time of fellowship and brunch with lots of treats to enjoy. We'd love for you to join us and bring something to share as well. God has been so faithful in continuing to grow our church body to help accommodate those looking for seating. It would be super helpful to keep in seats open so our ushers are able to easily find seats for those coming into the service because they're always welcome in service. And we have a nursing mother's room with our service streaming live just outside the lobby to the left. Again, we're so glad you're here. Let's worship Jesus together.
1: Good morning again, guys. Merry Christmas. So glad you're with us to worship Jesus this morning. And I'm just going to pray because that was a great sermon uh, from Jason there, our, one of our elders. So that was, man, I was so encouraged. Just an offering talk. I'm so encouraged by that. So uh, good, good stuff. But hey, um, man, just one more time. Weren't our kids amazing? So so good. Yeah. Just love having them with us this Sunday morning. Man, wouldn't you love to just experience that more often? Well, that's just so good. You can by serving in kids' ministry. So, um, Okay, but in all seriousness, kids who are still here, you did do a wonderful job this morning. Thank you for uh, helping to lead us in worship uh, today, and we are so thankful for all who uh, worked together over the past few weeks to uh, help our kids prepare. Most of the Davidsons were, I think all the Davidsons were involved in that in some way, so we thank you guys so much and, uh, for, for helping our kids to do that. One of the Uh, One of our favorite Sundays of the year to have our kids uh, leading us during Christmas. So um, a few more announcements I do have. Uh, Just want to remind you of our Christmas Eve Eve outreach, our feeding outreach that we're doing. Uh, Our Thanksgiving outreach went so well uh, downtown uh, that we decided to do it again. And so uh, we're going to go out on Saturday the 23rd which is Christmas Eve Eve, and we would love for you guys to uh, jump in with us on that and and serve with us again if you're able to do that. Um, Man, it was so fruitful, just a really great time of uh, serving hot meals in our community to those who really are uh, in need and being able to uh, pray with those who needed prayer and and to share the gospel, Uh, and that's really what all outreach is about. We want all of our outreach as a church to uh, involve that. If it doesn't, uh, we don't think it's outreach, so that's why we do that, and it just did really go well. I had a lot of opportunities to do that at our last uh, feeding outreach. And so, um, yeah, you can sign up for that on our Church Center app. You, if you'll see, you go on there on the homepage, you'll see the graphic. Uh, you can click on that graphic. It'll lead you through to a form, and you'll see that there are a lot of ways that you can serve. It's not just uh, one thing. We do need people who will um, prep the food ahead of time. Uh, it's a lot of food. We serve like 300 meals. We intend to do that again. So uh, even if you can't make it out with us downtown, Uh, you could prep food uh, for that. Also, there's a serving line you can be on. All kinds of things. There'll be some folks maybe uh, who are back here at the church building hanging out with the kids, which is, again, a valuable role. We can't uh, fully do what we do without people who will hang with our kids because You guys have a lot of kids, and I have a lot of kids, so we have to uh, do something with our kids. So anyway, I think there's like seven people signed up currently, and uh, there's plenty of roles left to be had. So we would love for you to join us uh, that day if you are able. Uh, The second thing is Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve does fall on a On a Sunday this year, and so we're just not—we're not going to change anything about um, the time of our meeting. We're going to meet next Sunday, uh, Christmas Eve at at 10 a.m. as usual. Uh, But every year we do um, share treats together—you know, desserts and cookies and cakes and things like that. And so, uh, since it's in the morning this year, we're going to do a Christmas Eve brunch. So uh, that kind of opens things up a little bit. Get a little uh, protein in there, a little. Sausage and eggs, you know that kind of stuff. Good, good stuff. Orange juice. So feel free to uh, jump in on that and and bring something to share. It's going to be a good time after our Christmas Eve service. We'll hang out for a while in fellowship and just enjoy uh, one another before Christmas. Okay. Um, And uh, the the final thing is our 2024 budget meeting uh, is scheduled for Thursday, December 28th at 8 p.m via Zoom. We're going to uh, celebrate the growth the Lord has given to us in 2023. We will review and vote on uh, the elder and finance team proposed 2024 budget, and we'll discuss some options for uh, allocating our yearly overage. Okay, it's going to be a, you know, I mean, a lot of numbers, and if you find that boring, I mean, most people do. But but really, numbers start a conversation, and they, they really tell a story in a lot of ways of uh, what the Lord has Been faithful to do among us this year, and we're so grateful for that. Um, So anyway, I hope you'll join us for that. It'll be via Zoom. Uh, There will be a link to that meeting that'll show up magically uh, on the church center app on the day of the meeting, okay? So that's how you can uh, get in to to be a part of that. All right, we are uh, in week three of our Advent series, God and Sinners Reconciled, And if Advent sounds like a familiar but maybe somewhat confusing term to you, let me uh, just once again briefly explain the word Advent is derived from a Latin word that means coming or arrival, which uh, in Scripture pertains to the coming and arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, The first time when he came as a baby in a manger, as well as the second and final time that he will come as our glorious, resurrected, eternal king. And thus, Christians have historically, throughout the ages, taken the month of December up through Christmas to consider the multifaceted wonders of this concept, Advent. And each Sunday in this series, we're considering a theme that Advent is all about, if you will, the first two weeks. We started by talking about how Advent is about hope uh, as well as about awe, and today we'll get into how Advent is about comfort. So without further ado, let's read two passages from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Just a quick note, uh, I am going to read a lot of scripture today, uh, particularly from the prophet Isaiah, and uh, I I just think it's because so many of these Advent-themed passages are so encouraging and so comforting, and uh, I pray that's really where we find our comfort, is in the truth and the promises of Scripture. But anyway, let's begin by reading uh, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, and then we'll jump to Isaiah uh, chapter 40. We'll pray, and then we'll discuss it. So let's start. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning there in verse 1, it says, "...but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish." The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. God, we thank you for this day and the many blessings of life you have so graciously given to us. We thank you specifically this morning, God, for the season of Advent, the wonder of the incarnation, and the hope that we have of your return. My prayer this morning is simply that as we move closer and closer to Christmas, God, that we would see coming and, and all the earthly festivities and joys, a coming glory that is beyond finite expression. And I pray that in that coming glory, we would find our comfort. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, as with the, uh, the other aspects of Advent that we've discussed thus far, you can easily observe, I think... Uh, Even within our secular culture, there is a desire for and even a, a surface level degree of comfort or consolation to be had during Christmas time. The extra time spent relaxing with loved ones, the constant filling with good food and Drink, the sensation of being bundled up near a fire when it's cold out. And on top of that, there's this kind of uh, neurological phenomenon that sights, sounds, and smells of the season elicit in our our minds. The, The houses in your neighborhood all lit up at night, the smell of pine and cookies baking in the oven, certain favorite songs playing, the crackling and the smell of The fire, the nostalgia, if you will, takes you back to the excitement, perhaps, uh, of past childhood Christmases. This is a big part of the experience and and why so many people look forward to this season at the end of each year. And and I'll be honest, I I enjoy it myself. I do enjoy it. Uh, Before Christ, I was a bit cynical and, uh, you know, this time of year, annoyed by all the. The Christ, constant Christmas music everywhere you go, but now as a believer, I find myself uh, on the big box store schedule, wanting to listen to Christmas music even before we're officially at Halloween. Uh, so that's that's who I am. Okay, and I apologize to the cynics in the room, but um, but but for me, and I would dare say, uh, for many faithful Christians throughout. Uh, the ages—it's—it's it's not for the sake of looking backward and nostalgia, but for the hope and comfort that I find in looking ahead to when the increase of Christ's government and of peace there will be no end, and we're finally in the presence of the One who is our wonderful Counselor and our Mighty God forevermore. When he, our good shepherd, finally gathers us, his lambs, in his eternally safe, secure, and comforting arms, as we read about in Isaiah. Right? Advent, you see, is a season of comfort because it offers us a foretaste of our final deliverance at Christ's return. Now, you might be thinking, but Tad, we just read from the Old Testament? How can you say this is not a season for looking backward? And uh, to that, I would clarify, culturally, during Christmas, people tend to look backward, hoping to uh, recreate or re-experience the feelings of the past, coming to find that they're somewhat elusive, right? You can't ever quite get back to what once was. But the looking back that we do as the church is, is not looking back to fleeting emotions that have long gone. No, it's, it's looking back at prophecies that have since come true and that are going to continue to come true in the fullest sense at Jesus' second advent. right? And I, so I, I would lay before you that this church, is where our comfort should come from during Christmas, not eliminating all the wonderful sights and sounds and smells, but connecting them all in our hearts and our minds to the coming glory that we are awaiting. The food, the music, the people that we love, all of that is just an imperfect and and far from complete glimpse into what our eternity will be like when we have perfect, intimate fellowship with God and with one another all the time, forever. Does that make sense? Okay. I know it makes sense to Ron, but the rest of you guys, (laughs) I don't know about sometimes. But uh, I, I appreciate that. So, all right, well... What I want to do from here is simple. For the sake of our comfort, I just want to discuss three ways, three things from which Christ came to deliver us, and ultimately that he will fully deliver us from when he returns, all right? So let's go. Uh, Number one, Christ came to deliver us from ourselves and from himself Christ came to deliver us from ourselves and from himself. this is, as I hope that you know, um, the fact that Christ came to save us from our sin. Do you know that? Yes. okay but we can break that doctrinal statement down a bit more, can't we by saying that he delivers us from ourselves and he delivers us from himself so let's Let's talk first about ourselves, and let's do it by reading another great passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 57, beginning in verse 14, it says, And it shall be said, Build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him, who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would grow faint before me and the breath of life that I made. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him, I hid my face and was angry, but he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. You see, friends, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Of God, none of us on our own sought after God. None of us were Christians at birth. We were all born into sin, that is, born with the propensity to not worship God, but to rebel against God, actually. Not to run to God, but to run away from God. Not to love God, but to hate God because of our selfish desires to be our own gods. Anyone here who's been granted eyes to see and ears to hear will admit that they once followed their own best judgment and where it took them in this life was not a good place, but a broken place and an empty place. And thus we need to be delivered from ourselves, This is what Christ came to do, to heal us, Isaiah 57 says, by convicting our hearts and bringing us all to a place of humble and contrite faith where we admit that we are in desperate need of a Savior and a Lord who will guide us in the paths of life. Jesus is that Savior who will deliver us from ourselves and who already has begun to for those who are following him. He alone can restore comfort and peace to our souls. But you see, there is another aspect of God saving us from our sin. He's not just saving us from ourselves by giving us new hearts and a desire to love and obey him as we were created to. He is doing that. But he also delivers us from himself By absorbing the punishment we deserve for our sin. This is why Romans says that in Christ, God has become both just and the justifier of whoever places their faith in the gospel. (laughs) Our sin, you see, it's not no big deal, it's a cosmic crime. And God is not just a loving father. He's also a perfect judge who will not allow injustice to go unatoned for. He can't and he won't just sweep it under the rug. And so the deliverance we're offered in the coming of Christ is the deliverance from his furious, an eternal wrath that will be appropriately poured out and executed on all who refuse his offer of forgiveness. Listen to what Isaiah 53 says about this. It says, "'Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he,' speaking of Jesus, "'grew up before him like a young plant "'and like a root out of dry ground.'" He was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent so he opened not his mouth by oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living the living stricken for the transgression of my people and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, listen to this. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, was, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days For the transgressors. That's a long text, but there's not a boring part in it, is there? Church, we we said this last week, and today I say it again because I don't want you to ever forget this. Jesus came to die, He came to die. And his death was, was not just a passionate and yet pointless charade in order to display how great we are and how much he, he just had to have us as though he were lonely or desperate, no. First of all, no one took Jesus' life. He laid it down willingly. And his death was an intentional execution of divine justice by which he paid for the otherwise priceless gift of grace we now enjoy with his own blood. Because had Jesus not come incarnate, that is in human flesh, and gone to the cross, the ones facing judgment would be us. The wage of our sin is not just physical, but eternal death, which is separation from hope, comfort, and joy forever. And so I say that Christ came not only to deliver us from ourselves, but to deliver us from himself from his righteous anger toward sin, the good and perfect judge of all the earth stepped in and became our propitiation, which means he absorbed the blow of his own justice on our behalf. The son stood before the father as though he were sinful like us that we might now stand before the Father as though we are righteous and blameless like him. Merry Christmas. This is the greatest possible gift that anyone will ever give to you. Deliverance from your sin and the wrath of God that it deserved. You can receive this gift today. Do you know that? You can receive this gift today by faith. How do you do that? Well, the point is, you can't do anything. (laughs) You just admit that, and you believe that Jesus did it all, and you ask him to deliver you. And he will. He will. So that's the first comfort. Christ came to deliver us from ourselves and himself. So as you enjoy the Christmas lights this year and some warm Christmas treats, see those things as the foretaste that they are and see through them. See through them to the light of the world who came and died that we might one day eat and drink with him at his table in his kingdom, in a new heaven and a new earth where every day is better than Christmas. (laughs) Here's the second comfort. Christ also came to deliver us out of physical and relational brokenness. Christ came to deliver us out of physical and relational brokenness. Read with me again from Isaiah the prophet. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. And the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness." The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Doesn't this remind you of Revelation 21? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Aren't these texts describing our eternity wonderful? Amen. Not only does Christ promise to deliver us from the penalty for sin, but in his kingdom there will no longer be any power of sin to break our bodies or our relationships. I love what it says in Isaiah 35 about the way of holiness. Even if you're a fool, you won't be able to find a way to go astray into sin. Is there any other fools in here like me who can rejoice at that? Amen. Praise God. There will be no more hurtful words, no more bitterness, no more unforgiveness to estrange brothers and sisters in Christ. Only unity, harmony, and peace, all day, every day. Wow. How good is that? Better than we can even imagine. Amen. As I was working on my sermon this week, there was a knock at my office door, and it was a dear older sister in Christ who could be my mother. She sat down, and she said that she had finally worked up the strength to come and talk so she could tell me about a sad and difficult health diagnosis her husband had received. She told me this, this week was the first time she felt like she could stop in and tell me without crying. Friends, this life at the present moment is still filled with brokenness and pain. Sickness and death are virtually right around the corner for us all. But be encouraged. These things are not natural, and they are not final for those who trust in Christ. They're an effect of the curse. And at his word, upon his return, in an instant the curse will be reversed. And the tears of emotional and physical pain will become a thing that we can hardly remember, much less ever experience again. (laughs) Never again. Cancer and car crashes, depression and divorce, Alzheimer's and earthquakes, termites and tornadoes, loneliness... COVID-19, whatever it is, if it causes pain, when Christ returns, it's done. It's evicted. It's out of here. Amen. So good. And Before we move on to the final point, I just want to give one more aspect of uh, encouragement to those who who may be here and, and hurting today. Maybe right now as I speak, Jesus came not just so that he could deliver us from physical and relational brokenness and eternity. He came so that he might understand it and empathize with it in a real way. So, whatever painful thing you may be enduring in this season, brother or sister, you have a Savior who doesn't just say, hold on, it'll be okay eventually. Now you have a savior who Isaiah says is a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief, and thus who says, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly how you feel. And take heart because I, I am coming back for you but I'm with you now in it too. I'll never leave you or forsake you, he says. You're a Christian, I hope that this Advent, you'll be vulnerable with someone in your church family here. Open up with how you might be struggling so that we can love you and embrace you, sit with you, listen to you, even weep with you as is the sweet example of our Lord. And so that in that, you might have a foretaste of Emmanuel, God with us. He is with you. Your church family's here to remind you of that, especially when Christmas doesn't feel so merry and bright. So, he will deliver us. He'll deliver us from ourselves and from himself out of physical and relational brokenness, and finally, Christ came to deliver us from the darkness of evil powers and authorities, both human and spiritual. That is, not only will he deliver us from the penalty and the power of sin, he'll also triumph over and banish every presence and dominion of sin. Sinful human authorities and sinful spiritual authorities alike that continue to hold sway in the world at this juncture. Let's talk about each one. First of all, uh, sinful human authorities. Sadly, it's hard to look around at the government leaders of the nations these days and find any who resemble anything close to godly. And honestly, even in our own country, it's hard to find any who I can Vote to elect in good conscience, either because of their policies or their character or both. Heard a poll the other day that said where we stand currently, the two frontrunners of the 2024 election are, drumroll, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I feel like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, just reliving the same shameful political nonsense over and over. One's currently tied up in a handful of criminal court cases and like a child can't control his urge to mean tweet anyone who disagrees with him. The other has signed off on a slew of godless policies over the last four years, probably not even running the country himself. Meanwhile, you've got Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping just out there licking their lips, waiting to pounce and somehow initiate World War III. Darkness. All of it. Darkness. The gospel is a political message. Do you know that? Not a partisan one. But thankfully, those who have been dwelling in darkness now see a great light. In chapter 52, the prophet Isaiah comes through once again, relaying words of comfort from the Lord. He says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings, shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. At Christ's return, we will see every knee bow to Christ, the rightful king. Even the kings of earth who seem to be so prominent now with great fear and trembling, praise God, they will shut up in awe of King Jesus. I'm so ready for that day. I'm so ready for that day. But maybe you know, as we talked about in Ephesians this year, we're not merely wrestling with flesh and blood authorities that hold sway over our lives on the side of eternity. We're We're in a spiritual war. There are evil spiritual powers and principalities that desire to destroy us as well. We have an enemy, the devil, who hates us. He hates our marriages. He hates our families. He hates how they're a reflection of the gospel. And thus, who desires to tear us apart in order to bring reproach, on the name of Christ. Though he, is, he was defeated at the cross, he won't be decimated until the glorious return of the King. And until then, he wickedly targets our kids with anti gospel ideologies. He tempts us to abandon our spouses with pornographic media plastered everywhere hoping that one way or the other will succumb to the pressures of the world and turn away from Jesus and forfeit the leadership of our families. But wait, there's a comfort for that too. Colossians 2.15 says, Christ has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Hebrews 2 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Christ himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. (laughs) Man, that's good news. It's almost like now that Christ has come, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Oh, what a comfort that would be. Oh, wait, that's true. It's Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn Christ. Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Skip to verse 37. No, in all these Cozy up in a warm blanket or next to a warm fire this Christmas season in defense of the cold weather. Take comfort in this foretaste, friend. Because Christ has come, you are eternally secure in the warmth of his love. <laughs> and he will ultimately deliver you from the cold and bitter darkness of every evil power and authority that would dare threaten you. Advent is a season of comfort because it offers us a foretaste of our final deliverance at Christ's return. The things of Christmas are so sweet. I really do love this season But it's infinitely better and more comforting when we use its joys to consider what it all points to and foreshadows. So I'll leave you with one final foreshadowing as we close. Maybe one of the greatest and most exciting Christmas moments in our lives is as children. Waking up on Christmas morning, running out to the living room to see the gifts finally there under the tree. I can still remember back to those days because it was really such a fun moment. It almost, if you can recall, it almost felt surreal. That moment had finally come after waiting for what felt like forever. Especially when you realize mom and dad got you that bike or... That basketball hoop or whatever it was you really wanted and you were really expectantly hoping for? Well, in J.R.R. Tolkien's final book in the Lord of the Rings series, The Return of the King, there's a moment kind of like this where Sam wakes up and doesn't realize that the terrible journey to destroy the one ring is finally over. Tolkien was a Christian, and so you can hear In this excerpt, some beautiful Advent realities. Let me me read this to you. It says, When Sam awoke, he he found that he was lying on some soft bed, but over him gently swayed wide beechen bows, and through their young leaves sunlight glimmered green and gold. All the air was full of a sweet, mingled scent. He remembered that smell, the fragrance of athelien, Bless me, he mused. How long have I been asleep? For the scent had borne him back to the day when, it had lit, when he had lit his little fire under the sunny bank. And for the moment, all else between was out of waking memory. He stretched and drew a deep breath. Why? What a dream I've had, he muttered. I'm glad to be awake. He sat up and then he saw Frodo was lying next to him and slept peacefully. One hand behind his head, the other resting upon the coverlet. It was the right hand, and the third finger was missing. Full memory flooded back, and Sam cried aloud, It wasn't a dream. Then where are we? And a voice spoke softly behind him, In the land of Ethelian and in the keeping of the king. And he awaits you. With that, Gandalf stood before him, robed in white, his beard now gleaming like pure snow in the twinkling of the leafy sunlight. Well, Mr. Samwise, how do you feel, he said. But Sam lay back and stared with open mouth, and for a moment, between bewilderment and great joy, he could not answer. At last, he gasped. Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but I, I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? A great shadow has departed, said Gandalf. And then he laughed, and the sound was like music or like water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count. It fell upon his ears like the echo of all the joys he had ever known. But he himself burst into tears. Then as a sweet rain will pass down a wind of spring and the sun will shine out all the clearer, his tears ceased and his laughter welled up. And laughing, he sprang from his bed. How do I feel, he cried. Well, I, I don't know how to say it. I feel, I feel, he waved his arms in the air. I feel like spring after winter and sun on the leaves and like trumpets and harps and all the songs I've ever heard. He stopped and turned toward his master. But how's Mr. Frodo, he said. Isn't it a shame about his poor hand? I hope he's all right otherwise. He's had a cruel time. Yes, I'm all right otherwise, said Frodo, sitting up and laughing in his turn. I fell asleep again, waiting on you, Sam, you sleepy I was awake early this morning, and now it must be er- nearly noon. Noon, said Sam, trying to calculate. No- noon of what day? The 14th of the new year, said Gandalf, or if you like the eighth day of April in the shire reckoning, but in Gondor, the new year will always now begin upon the 25th of March when Sauron fell and when you were brought out of the fire to the king. He has tended you and now he awaits you. You shall eat and drink with him. When you're ready, I will lead you to him. The king, said Sam, what king and who is he? The king of Gondor and the lord of the western lands, said Gandalf. And he has taken back all his ancient realm. He will ride soon to his crowning, but he waits for you. Maybe as you awake this year on Christmas morning, you'll consider that there is one day coming, a morning where you too, Will wake up like Sam. Your life in this broken world will feel like just a bad dream. And you will realize that because of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, everything sad has indeed come untrue. And that the King has finally welcomed you into his kingdom to eat and drink with him and celebrate his crowning at his glorious eternal reign, under which you'll feel like spring after winter, like sun on the leaves and like trumpets and harps and all the wonderful songs you've ever heard. Maybe this Christmas, I hope this Christmas, you'll lead your family to look ahead and long as you sit around the Christmas tree for the day that you'll all kneel, not around a tree, but around the glorious throne of Christ in worship. Church, Christmas Day is a great day, but it's just a foretaste that points ahead to a far better one. Let's pray. Father, God, what a comfort the scriptures are to us. We thank you so much for the prophet Isaiah and all the wonderful prophecies that we can look back and see have been fulfilled in the first coming, the first arrival, the first advent of our Lord Jesus, our Savior. Father, I pray once again this third Sunday of Advent, God, that myself included, the men and women and the families in this room, God, that we would not allow the earthly joys of Christmas to terminate on themselves. God, they're not just about themselves. You've given us such sweet blessings that we might see what a glorious God you are in the eating and the drinking and the singing the loving fellowship of community together, God. This is all we see in Scripture, God. This is all just a foretaste, just a glimpse at what eternity will be like at the consummation when our King Jesus returns. Pray that's what we would dwell on this Christmas. Pray all this in Jesus' name.